0: Talk the podcast for the media by us. My name is Brent. I'm here today with TJ. Hey, Brent. And I got me a David. Oh, oy, 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 oy. David in the house. <laughs> um, oh, oh, oh. You are going to be talking about last week's homework, which was the 1995 movie GoldenEye, as performed by Tina Turner. <laughs> uh, and then we're going to be talking uh, a little bit about. What it means uh, when actors take over previously established roles, and then we're going to do a draft of our favorite instances of actors doing exactly that. Oh. So, uh, first off, Goldeneye. Uh, TJ, you had not seen it. I had seen it several times. David, did you see it?
1: Several times.
0: Yeah. Um, What did you... When was the last time you'd seen it, David?
1: who Had to be a good ten, fifteen years ago.
0: Same for me. It's been a it has been a long time since I'd seen this movie. Um, first, let's. I want to hear from TJ. What'd you think? This is your first proper James Bond film. You had seen uh, Doctor No, which is um, a very good James Bond movie, I think, but it's uh, it doesn't have a lot of the hallmarks of James Bond movies, which is over the top villains, over the top unrealistic gadgets, and uh one liners campy one liners <laughs> yeah. and whatnot and then you had seen skyfall, skyfall which is uh, the daniel craig movies are all taken much more seriously
2: uh not a huge fan yeah didn't, didn't do it for you yeah i mean it just it felt like they wanted to go almost to the naked gun level of campy but they didn't fully commit they were like too scared to make it a comedy I can see that. There, there's some comedy. that I think
0: GoldenEye takes itself less seriously than like the 70s and 80s fun. Well, actually, I don't know. I feel like they've always sort of been.
2: And I've seen lots of bits and pieces of James Bond movies. Tons. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't tell you like mm-hmm. which movie had Jaws hanging from the ski lift or whatever. Right. But I know I've seen that. Um, so, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it wasn't horrible. I just don't really. It felt like it kind of tonally didn't know what it was going for. And that might be the uh, like mo of that franchise. I don't know, but like there were just the particular there were some couple of scenes that felt like comedy. There were a couple of scenes that felt dramatic that weren't quite dramatic enough. Mm-hmm. And then like the some of the scary stuff for the villains was just mind-blowingly dumb. So I didn't really know what was <laughs> going on. Yeah. I still don't know how you choke somebody by just giving them a leg hug. You <laughs> 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 can make them stop breathing. Her legs are made of like titanium, apparently.
1: That's kind of her superpower. Yeah, It's weird. It's a weird
2: way of manif- for a power to manifest. Yeah, I
1: think you know. I think you're hitting on something. I think in conception, this was supposed to be a more realistic, darker James Bond. That's how they wrote it. It was like the largest uh, off time. Um, oh, really? Yeah, in between James Bond movies, five years, maybe six, so 80, almost seven years. So
0: eighty-eight or eighty-nine? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I think Dalton aged out of it or quit and then they were finding a new one and it, it took a long time I think it was the last one that uh, Cubby Broccoli saw he's a longtime long producer mm-hmm. um,
0: there was Bond fatigue by this point too I think by the late 80's like I remember mm-hmm. when I was a kid I don't remember in the late 80's even though there were new Bond movies coming out I don't remember those being like uh, a thing that people really cared about like mm-hmm. I, and th- I don't remember that being a, a thing that drove people to the theater, but uh, so maybe the layoff helped Goldeneye a lot.
1: Yeah, and then um, I think this one ended up being pretty successful. Like the time off was well spent. I think it's only like sixty million dollar budget, and it made over three hundred fifty million dollars, which was pretty pretty good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think it knows exactly what it wants to be. I think I had the hindsight of knowing what I was in for a lot more than you were. True. And uh, I don't know, knowing that it was going to be a campy James Bond movie, it's like the '90s ones still were. You know, we are not at Casino Royale, you know, DC level darkness yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was pretty, pretty fun. Uh, there was some stuff that was pretty cool in it. I think a lot of this stuff uh I remember being campier. Like the I like the opening scene of the dam. There's a lot of it that's wordless to begin and then it eventually gets punctuated by like a campy James Bond line where he's like hanging out of the bathroom. It's like it's my turn to take a crapper. <laughs> whatever he says for that. English version of that. And I was also struck by the ending when they're fighting on the satellite. There's like no, not much score going on. It's yeah, just like the sound that. of the wind, stuff like that. Um, yeah, and then just bizarre scenes like the. I think we were talking earlier. The Q scene is like straight up naked gun slapstick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so weird. Yeah, I don't know what is going on in that scene. It's like uh, I don't know comic relief. <laughs> For, for, for that scene sure. to be immediately cool.
2: followed by Pierce Brosnan and Judi Dench having like a good scene, dramatic yeah. scene, it's, it's a, immediately after that. It's, it's the psyched. best acted scene in the movie, I think, is Judi Dench. It's good. I was a big fan of um, the CIA agent, <laughs> whenever he was on screen.
1: Jack Wade? Yeah, he <laughs> was great. He, <laughs> he was good. <laughs> he I, was, plays I, him. Uh, I was struck by the uh, uh, Joe Don Baker. Joe Don Baker. Yeah. I was struck by the performances, I guess, a lot this time that I liked. I really love Judi Dench in that. That's like a career... Judy role that she that's
0: her first movie as M yeah, yeah. and then you saw her last movie as M yes
1: yes yeah. spoiler just kidding <laughs> but also I really liked I think uh, Famke Jensen as Xenia Onatop is pretty fun as a cartoonishly like still Russian evil henchwoman in an uh, age after the Berlin Wall First James Bond movie so all. so
0: Xenia on a top is a character that uh, when I in the when I watched it the first time I was like I thought she was too over the top <laughs> and this time I really appreciated that character Yeah, me too just for it's <laughs> like just fun it, because it's because she's so ridiculous
1: and I think like they don't straight out say it but like her all like all bond things is like they the villains have like this these special traits about them. Mm -hmm. Her thing is like, yeah, she's got like steel thighs, I guess, that crush everybody's... uh, lower intestines. Yeah, everyone's (laughs) lower intestines. But her other other thing is like, I think, they don't go out and say it, but she can't, she doesn't really experience pain like people do. Like, she experiences pain as pleasure. Yes. And that's kind of crossed for her. So I think that makes her kind of interesting interesting. conception.
0: And I like that she just took it so far over the line. Yeah so far over the top like if it's already if you're gonna cross the line it's a ridiculous character it. yeah so play it ridiculously and she did and I she's one of my favorite parts of the movie
1: yeah same
2: I was uh kind of surprisingly impressed by his love interest by Natalia she grows on you in the movie she's kind of a good yeah. actress she just she kind of seemed like she had a better handle at times than she, everybody else in the movie she
1: grounds the movie a lot more than like James Bond or any other characters too yeah. like she's she kind of, like, went through a trauma, and you can see that through her performance. She's, like, dramatized yeah. by it.
2: But holy shit, dude, like, every, every just like, counterbalances, because yeah, yeah. she's <laughs> with Alan coming all the time, and it's like, oh my god, man. I am invincible. I am invincible. <laughs> I
0: can break your codes. The, uh, the computer aspects of this movie have... <laughs> Aged poorly, but not quite as poorly as a lot of mid-90s yeah, internet movies. That's true.
2: Uh, at least
1: they don't go into the internet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the very
2: beginning when he's at the like casino, mm-hmm. when he's trying to follow her and yeah. kill him, the captain, and he's got that like thing, it's always transmitting. <laughs> instead yeah. like,
1: transmitting dot 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 <laughs> every time you see it. Right. Really, that thing seems distracting. It is kind of cool to have a little car printer, though. Transmitted to his car. And he's like got these prints out of his car. That'd be neat. Yeah. Take a little Instagram and you pull it out of your car. Uh, what'd you guys think of a uh, spoiler alert for Goldeneye? The turn of 006. Our favorite murdered actor, Sean Bean.
2: So I didn't know that oh, that was a thing. Even from the video games, I just didn't remember it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. But I still felt like as soon as he died, I was like, well, he's a bad guy. <laughs> just put that in the back of my head. He'll be back. Cause Cause I don't know should, was, Well... I don't know, though, because at the time, I don't know how big he was. He had
0: been in Patriot Games a few years earlier as the main villain. Mm-hmm. It was just the way the setup in the movie was. Mm-hmm. Like... This could be, like, just a decently known actor who's popping in to play a spy and gets killed.
2: Yeah, but it was the setup of, like, not seeing him get caught in the first scene. In the pre credit right. scene. Like, all of a sudden, he's just there i uh-huh. gun to his
1: head. Well, I, was, I was curious about that. Because around the same time period, you have Mission Impossible, right? A bunch of famous actors get killed almost immediately. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah. obviously, I knew what happened with Alec Trev- Trevlin, the Cossack.
0: I like that I like that story. Yeah, um, I do just too. Just because it's a little less. It's not as Bond villain
2: y. It required yeah, her, more, though. It's more Fame personal, King I think. you, Jansen. It required her to be a villain in this movie because he was not over the top at all, I feel yeah. like. You needed something right. to make yeah. it bond-y. right? Yeah, and
1: Or uh, Oromov is kind of just, like, just there. He's blah. He's yeah. a very blah. Yeah, he's like character. a holdover of a generic, like, Russian general in the older Cold War James Bond to me.
2: So is this also a question, if this is something that runs through Bond movies pre-Daniel Craig, uh, where I asked Brent something, like, hey, do you know about this thing? yep I know all about it says Brent what about David you know all about it I also know about it let's explain it anyway <laughs> even though we've all established that we all know exactly what's going on here let's talk about the satellite weapon the Russian had in the uh, Cold War yeah like let's spend four minutes explaining it it just felt so like man you could have done a little bit better job just have one of them go I don't know what that is <laughs> Oh right, yeah. They do a very poor job of explaining it in the movie.
1: You just—we need, need one guy doing the generic line, like in English. In English, please. Yeah, it's not going to make
0: this movie worse, <laughs> right? That line. Yeah, um, I think. Uh, yeah, actually, I like that. I guess a lot of James Bond plots, or just any movies like this in general, it, it's—they're so convoluted over like so and so is trying to take over the world, or he's mm-hmm. trying to like, uh, I don't know. Uh, control the markets or something. And sure. this one is just much, it turns out to be a much simpler, just revenge story yeah. of just like he's upset at the English, he's so he wants to destroy London. Yeah. Um, now, the Golden he's, Eye
2: Weapon. You got his feelings hurt.
0: <laughs> yeah, the yeah. Golden Eye Weapon is, uh, yeah, very poorly explained. It's a satellite that emits
2: an electromagnetic. It's an EMP. An EMP. You
1: know. Yeah, that would like wipe out the credit history and all the financial, but, thing, personal <laughs> that, but history. again,
2: with EMP. though, they're like, it's an EMP. Ooh, an EMP. That's not good. And then pretty much gonna like turn and like broken the fourth wall. Be like, so an EMP <laughs> is yeah. win. Yeah, all you need to do is just have one
0: one exposition character. <laughs> it's just like. Wait, so you're telling me this would just knock out all electronics in London? That's right. <laughs> and it's like, okay, carry on. Did
1: they not do that? Maybe I just played that scene in my head while I was watching it.
0: No, all three of them know exactly what it is. Well, and that's okay. all, yeah, but and, and the only time you get the explanation is when Sean Bean is just saying it will destroy credit histories, and it will, and it's not entirely clear how it will
1: do that. Yeah, yeah, because it kind of, I guess, like they're gauging on that they they use it on Severnaya, like, the Severnaya station. Yeah. But really, that just, like, causes explosions? Yes. <laughs> like, is the point that, like, okay, it's EMP, but also explosions? And a really clunky <laughs> jet crash, which I'm not sure
0: is more realistic than normal or less... Way less realistic. Also, oh, yeah. I mean, at it,
1: the end, you have the shot from space. It's like the satellite exploded. It's like, I don't know why that <laughs> why happened. they built that. <laughs>
2: <way>. <laughs> when the EMP gets the jets, it immediately, like, the EMP also, like, battles lift. Because <laughs> the jets just go, <laughs>
1: <laughs> Fall out
2: of the sky, building <laughs> satellites. It's like, Wow. Wouldn't really, really, you, wouldn't really gliding. Gliding.
0: you wouldn't think they'd just glide to a a, 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 no, a, a crash, but no, yeah, instead they're just like... It's the sequel to Dunkirk at the end of
1: it. It's like, oh, I can't fly. Okay, let's glide for a half hour. Yeah, right?
0: These pilots were very poorly trained.
1: Back in the 90s, there was a button that was like constantly rotate. <laughs> the EMP goes, you can't press that. <laughs> you can't prevent that button. It's like, oh No. <laughs> Yeah, it's the
0: first day of jet school. They're like, hold this button if you don't just want to spin wildly out of control. If you want to do a barrel roll? They're
2: take your finger off,
0: finger off briefly. The, the, the no barrel roll button.
2: <laughs> if this, we button this button stops working, well, you're yeah. in trouble, man. thought about removing that button? <laughs> oh, man.
1: Don't that's worry, our an electronic system is pressing the button for you. As long as that's in place, you're good.
0: We've got these new fancy jets. Automatically
2: presses the button for you. They lose power, though. You fall like a brick out of the sky. Oh, <laughs> that was a good laugh. Yeah. You know,
0: this fun movie kind of tamped down a little bit on the one-liners. Oddly enough, you probably would not realize that. There were a ton. It. There were a few. Like, she always did enjoy a good squeeze. But, uh... Yeah. uh for the most part, I felt like there were definitely moments for for ridiculous one liners that they didn't take advantage of. I think
1: there's one that's like directly goes in Austin Powers later when he's in the spa and like uh, is wrestling with Xenia Onatop and he like grabs the gun. and It's like I always use protection. I feel like that's in Austin Powers. Is so little...
2: real quick, uh, also I've never seen an Austin Powers movie beginning, okay. and, <laughs> but I did recognize a lot of those. It was real weird watching this movie because I was all the cultural references that were so big in the late '90s. Mm-hmm really weird seeing all these things that I was like oh shit like mm-hmm. I recognized the Will Ferrell's like them driving down the mountain together was obviously a, the Will Ferrell Austin Powers scene mm-hmm. was obviously like a you know a nod to the thank you Jansen's introduction where they're chasing each other down the hill oh. and um then playing a video game so much <laughs> like I saw the first scene I was like holy shit it's just like the beginning of the yeah it's like it amongst- does the like dumb dive anyway like why are you doing that just jump off the damn damn
1: and then in the facility, in the bathrooms, it's like almost the same layout. He like goes to the hallway behind the bathrooms and it's yeah. like the same thing.
2: Yeah, it was real fun.
0: Yeah, that's, uh, I think the fact that the video game, it's such a, it's a very faithful recreation of the movie. Yeah. Because it's just set piece after set piece after mm-hmm. set piece. And yeah. I think it's, uh, it's, I think that's one of the things the movie does well is it, it moves from location to location with different scenes and. Right. And there's just something to do in each one and then it moves on. There's not it doesn't linger too long in a single place. I think this movie did a good job of of bouncing around.
1: Yeah, kind of um, became a, a touch point of that and the Mission Impossible movies is set piece global terrorism, not terrorism, tourism. <laughs> I
0: love the <laughs> terrorism too. In a lot of them. I love the ridiculousness of the. Is it the uh, are they in Saint Petersburg? The escape from yeah. the archives. Oh yeah, where he takes a tr- takes a tank mm-hmm. yeah. out on the road. Yeah.
1: And for whatever reason, he pops out of it so you know it's still James Bond. It's like the point of a tank is you're inside and protected. It's like, it's no, like, popping out. The wind looks amazing. I
0: love that scene where it comes crashing through the wall. You're like, who's driving that tank? <laughs> and Pierce Brosnan,
2: his hair, still perfect. Um, I did laugh pretty hard. They're talking about one-liners at the don't press any buttons on that car when they're in Cuba. Oh, yeah. I'm just gonna go bombing around and it it's like, who even says that though? <laughs> you know, the, the last time that was referenced it was like a model A Ford. <laughs> and then after that he just for some reason just like spins out driving down the dirt road. It's like, man, this guy's crazy. <laughs> what are you doing? Also the CIA agent in Cuba just flying down a dirt road. <laughs> the
0: end of the movie is also a callback to old James Bond movies, which is the, the old joke was that the American military would always get there after James Bond oh, and yeah. save the day. And so, uh, I think that was seen as a as a fun callback to old James Bond movies when the Marines all pop up around him
2: after it's over. That
1: uh, is kind, of, kind of fun. They're all in their little ghillie suits. Yeah,
2: because yeah, that was definitely a throw-in when he's talking to the CIA agent in Cuba. It's like, what happens if I need backup? He was like, just call me. I'll get the Marines. Yeah. It's like, Can you do that? be <laughs> he <just laughs> yeah. like,
1: hello, Marines. <laughs> this is you, Jack Wade.
2: <laughs> you know.
1: <laughs> Old Jackie boy. <laughs> Your cousin, Jack Barry. <laughs> Listen to this. <laughs> You're like, global incident you've been meaning to initiate. <laughs>
2: Get a little of this! <laughs> there were sounds, there were definitely sounds in that movie that they use in the video game.
1: <laughs> oh,
2: Like a bullet. The PP7 hitting metal. Pachi! <laughs> it's like, oh shit! I've heard that so many times because I can't shoot anybody in GoldenEye. <laughs>
1: We had two rules growing up playing Goldman. We'll cut all this out. But no one is odd job. And if you're unarmed, you cannot be shot. Which was always get violated. Someone said, I'm unarmed. And then pull a gun. <laughs> or I'm unarmed. but they get shot in the head anyway. And you go, what the hell? And just go like...
2: <laughs> we, used to just, we used to get real drunk and play slappers only for like yeah. hours. it would take so long. Yeah.
0: <laughs> just run up. <laughs> It'd be it was, like hard. a kill limit of like ten. Like... Somebody got to get ten kills before this game's over. We're Playing on slappers only. We're gonna need more surge.
2: <laughs> <laughs> need more fucking Red Bull, Jaeger.
1: <sighs>
2: but slappers always looked so like it wouldn't work. Like,
1: yeah, the one unfaithful thing about the video game to the movie is James Bond isn't constantly <laughs> strafing, <laughs> <laughs> running, shooting, <laughs> going circles around guys. Where if you look That's at him, him, he's just like. But <laughs> he's shooting him.
2: That's <laughs> uh, so good. I mean, the benefit of making a movie like this is that nothing comes across as awful. Because what would it be? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, even it's, if it's, so, you know, it's, it's so out there that... The yeah. point is, you just
0: have to make it entertaining. And I think GoldenEye does a good job of that. Like, it makes it a fun... None, no James Bond movies were ever supposed to be dramatic or
2: or like... Until the last four? Until whatever. until yeah. Casino yeah. Royale. Until
0: they, or, or they weren't supposed to be like smart.
2: Right. Um,
1: Weird thing is like the rebrand Casino Royale was done by the same director of GoldenEye, Martin Campbell. They did huh. both of them. Both th- like reawakenings of the genre. I think that
0: in between this... In Casino Royale, you had a few Bond movies that were awful. Yes, um, in fact, every other every other Brosnan movie I think is terrible. Okay, yeah. Die, Die Another Day is horrible. Uh, World is never enough. And then bad the uh, Denise Richards one,
1: the Doctor Christmas. Christmas this Christmas year, topic. Christmas comes twice a year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> God, um, there's nothing that bad in this movie, I guess. And
0: yeah. then while they were making those bad movies. You had Mission Impossible came out in 96 mm-hmm. and that started a a franchise that showed spy movies could be globe-trotting and action-packed but serious and like yeah. serious like fun but also serious and uh, then you had the Bourne movies in the early 2000s which mm-hmm. were phenomenal. Yeah, and good. and so I think those movies paved the way for the new James Bond series which was could be a little more serious and a little more gritty and action based sure um, nice. so I can see how uh, Martin Campbell yeah yeah. I can see how he uh, could have been influenced by
2: those movies from from GoldenEye to, to Casino Royale mm-hmm. and knowing to get away maybe from the recipe that was being used on Bond movies right in his absence
0: Because it kind of had run its course. I mean, Goldeneye was a fun throwback to the old ones, and it was probably the best action movie for Bond at that point. Mm -hmm. But they just weren't expecting a, you know, cinematic revolution of sorts in in terms of action movies that that happened in the late 90s, early 2000s. Right. Um, But uh, this was Brosnan's first, and I think he generally got... Solid reviews as mm-hmm. as the new Bond at the time, um, which kind of brings us to our, uh, our 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 topic. We won't spend as much time on the topic, but uh, and without getting into any specifics because nobody wants to show their hand for the for the upcoming draft. But um, when when a when an actor steps into a role, um that has previously been established in some way. Obviously there's the difficulty of living up to people's expectations. But mm-hmm. at the same time, do you think there's anything you think there's anything easy about it? I think there's What do you think the challenges were for Pierce Brosnan for example? I think example?
1: it's the expectations of like if it was a brand new role you could bring whatever you want to it and you you um, Succeed or fail on that respect, but if it's something like as lived in as the James Bond franchise, even the things you don't do, there is like a history of right. Like anything you do that's new, it's a reaction rather than something you're coming up with.
0: Do you yeah. think? It, I was gonna ask. Do you think it's, uh, and I'm gonna give you an example for both. Do you think it's tougher to take on something that? Has a history of success, and you have to try to live up to that, or to step into a role that has been marked by failure, and you have to be the first one to make it successful. And my examples would be, let's say there's somebody stepping in to be a new James Bond versus somebody lining up to be the next
1: Fantastic Four.
2: I definitely think it's harder when there's success.
1: Yeah, I I would agree. So,
2: I mean, you have you have an entire fan base of that pop of that movie. Most of the people that are gonna come pay to see you portray that role
1: mm-hmm.
2: already are in love with something. Mm-hmm. So they can afford to hate it easily, I feel like. Does
1: there's that make a bar sense? yeah, there's a bar a minimum like bar you gotta cross for that. Right. Whereas I think like, you know, there is some toxic fandom out there, but for the most part, if something's getting made, I think audiences want it to be good and want to like you in it. Maybe that's just my no, optimistic I mean, I, opinion.
2: I'm with you. I also loved I mean, like, with the Fantastic Four example, I really wanted that movie to be great, because I loved the three actors that were mm-hmm. that I knew mm-hmm. of that were in it, you know, the, the non-thing Fantastic Four. Right. I like all three of them. Um, love them all. And it was just depressing to watch that movie. <laughs>
0: you know, really wanted it to be great. See, See that's if, uh, what I'm wondering about. I'm wondering if that's tougher, because with, at least with Bond, you've got, like, Hopefully, my movie makers—if if I'm stepping into the role of James Bond, uh, you know, like hopefully my movie makers are—they like know how to make a Bond movie, and this mm-hmm. is going to be decent in some way. But I think it would be terrifying to step in at this point as for Fantastic
2: Four because it's like this should have worked by now. <laughs> I kind of think it's like the—it's like Jamie Fox in any given Sunday, though, kind of like if you're making a Fantastic Four movie, they're just like, "Hey, man, I'm not going to get worse." Like yeah. that's you know what I mean? true. That's like, true. What's the worst that's gonna happen?
1: Or like yeah. making a new Green Lantern movie. It's like how much history and baggage are you bringing with Hal Jordan? Right. It's like you could you could be anything, as long as it's entertaining, it's like you're in the plus column.
2: Yes. I can see that. Yeah, it's not it's hard like, it's, uh, where it's, you can make a bad movie and still be better than your predecessor. I feel like that's a good place to be in.
1: It's like following up from like the world's worst boyfriend. If, like, you cook dinner once, it's like, oh, my God, you're so good. You picked up that trash (laughs) that one time? It's like, you are so thoughtful. It's like, damn, the bar is very low. Yeah, do you think, uh,
0: how much do you think the actual performances weigh on the people replacing them? Like, how much do you think that factors in? Do you think Brosnan had Connery, Roger Moore, in mind, to an extent?
1: My thought is you either I think there, there's no escaping it, but you either it's like it's in your mind, or you've made a conscious decision to actively avoid everything about it. Like mm-hmm. there's some stuff I may talk about later that's like that, and that's a conscious decision in itself. It draws a lot of attention to the, you know, the place that that role takes. Right. Okay. Well, let's
0: uh, let's jump into our draft. So we're gonna draft our favorite. Uh, our favorite instances of actors taking on roles that uh, were previously pretty established uh, which
1: they took our jobs
0: <laughs> they took <taking> our jobs <laughs> I'm gonna you got a draft order? I'm going to randomize it real quick so this is going to be a four round draft so we're going to be picking 12 uh, performances or just new takes on, on roles
1: are we saying movies and
0: TV? movies and TV uh, the, the one thing, uh, the one stipulation is that the the, the role needs to be. Recognizable first, right? Yes. Before they
2: stepped in. Okay, uh, I got an order too, but if we ready, i not. And also, an example, that.
1: like, you know, Tom Cruise, not to say anyone, but Tom Cruise and Ethan Hunt versus Martin Landau in the 60s That'd be fun. MI thing. I don't know how recognizable that is. It's that's, probably recognizable. that's probably the edge case. Well, I thought Ethan that.
0: Hunt was created for the movies. Oh, it's like the
1: main character of maybe. Yeah, it, it might be it. a different character though. That's it's a good point. it's
0: John Voight <coughs> plays the main character. Oh, okay. From the TV show,
1: Alright, I'm not picking John Boyd. Um Or like the fugitive. The, there's
2: like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Simon Geller That was one I came up with as an example. I think that'd be fun to
0: use. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but I, I would say they that you need to at least there needed to be some awareness of like when they say so and so is stepping into this character you an image should be able to come into people's heads of that character before. Does that make sense? Yes. Um,
1: Does it have to be the same role, or it could be the type of role? I guess I'm just trying to figure out, like... Same character. Same character. Okay. Like, Friday Night Lights, it's a new town. It's technically a new character. Yeah, I consider that a, But, like, the Billy Bob Thornton is essentially the same kind of role. But it's a different character. Right, it wouldn't count. imagine. Not.
0: And then the other thing is that... Uh, um, I'm staying away from historical
2: people, because that's different to me. Like Daniel Day-Lewis and Lincoln. Hmm. Because he's not like... But not strictly fictional characters. It just, you know. Yeah. It just depends. For example,
0: the character from the Walking Tall movies is a real person, but that to me feels more like a a movie
2: character. Right. Than just... And you're... We'll do the normal draft thing where this is your draft, so you can veto whatever you want. I doubt it'll get there. It never has, but... uh, The draft order is Brent T.J. David. Brent T.J. David. Oh boy, you yeah, got yeah,
0: I got it. I got one. All right, so to kick off the draft,
1: <sighs>
0: oh, I definitely know what I'm going with here. This is a it's a character. Actually, I don't know the original, but I know the sort of the magnitude of the original had a had had some some strong fans, and when this character was cast or when this actor or actress was cast uh, people were very unhappy with the casting choice for this uh, this reboot Mm -hmm. but uh, wound up being a very magnetic character loved loved this character and that's uh, Katie Sackhoff as Starbuck In the Battlestar Galactica reimagining series.
1: I think she might have been available later, but I do love the pick. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> she, she certainly would have been, but uh, the character... It's the same a, character, but, you know, yeah, I love it.
0: Had originally been a man and was the uh, the main uh, protagonist of the original series, as far as I understand. Mm-hmm. Uh, played by Richard Hatch. And, uh, yeah, she's... Uh, she is a. I think she's a driving force of the early going on that show. Mm-hmm. Um, really love her in that show.
2: All right, TJ, what you got. Uh, I'm gonna go with like a classic character reboot here, and I think it is by far the best version of this character. The problem with where it fits in this draft is that I'm not sure. If, there are so many you can picture when you hear this character's name. And I don't know who people would think of, and I bet most of the fans. Of my portrayal of this character would probably picture Robert Downey Jr., which is odd. Hmm. But one of the most played characters of all time. But I'm taking Benedict Cumberbatch's portrayal of Sherlock Holmes. That's a, that's a solid choice. Um,
0: what do you think was good about his... Uh, what stands out? He
2: plays the asshole element so fucking well in that show.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The the like opposite to... And, and a lot of it, too, is Freeman plays the, the good guy. The... Mm-hmm. The sound, the right. mentally yeah. stable guy, so well.
1: He's a straight man too. Yeah,
2: that it's so I don't know that that whole series on BBC. Like, I, I wish it could go forever.
1: It's so well done. Yeah. Sometimes, like, uh, like the the Holmes role, or not the Holmes role, the uh, Watson role is the stick in the mud. He's like he's not being fun. But in the BBC, the Benedict Cumberbatch one, you kind of side with him a lot. It's like. Sherlock is kind of insane.
2: Yeah. And, I mean, there's... I don't know if anybody... I'm, I feel like most people I know now have seen it, because I'm just over-the-top recommended it to everybody. But I love that I pretty much got, like, 12 awesome little Sherlock Holmes movies.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Because they're all, like, 90 minutes long. hmm So mm-hmm. fun.
0: Yeah, I think with Downey, too, that... Downey as Sherlock is, is so strange because it's like just a straight- up action hero yeah <laughs> it seems in those movies and then uh, I don't know I really like Cumberbatch I've, I've read you know a few old Sherlock stories and he even though it's a modernized retelling
1: it's he fits that character perfectly
2: yeah mm.
1: nice pick Good pick yep yeah. for mine I went with uh, this is a takeover. Where I think for a lot of people, it completely erased the original portrayal from the face of the earth, if you ask most people. And it's a it was a successful ish movie from the eighties, Michael Mann movie. He's a great director. Uh, it was a popular series of books. The uh, great actor, a lot of people like Brian Cox. Played Doctor Lecter. But nineteen ninety one Silence of the Lands... <laughs> Sounds of the Lambs a bowling literature. movie. <laughs> Sounds of the Lambs. Anthony Hopkins ta- comes in it's and a- famously has like less than twenty minutes of screen time. Like just destroys the previous performance and just destroys that movie. He owns that movie.
2: Yeah. It. Yeah, I would. That was a a good first round pick. Have
0: you seen was- Manhunter? Yes, I've seen it. What is uh? So what's. What's different about those? Do they have different, like, approaches
1: to handle? They're both uh, the the gentility. Is that a word? Like, the genteel nature of, of Dr. Elector. is like, he's a Sophistic- sophisticate.
2: Yeah. They're pretty similar. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Anthony Hopkins just just does it better. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He, he's up to 11 on the uh, focused, um, underlying menace of the character, but also, like, the in- inquisitive nature that gets him to help... Starling. It's well said. Yeah. He, he really, like, at his forefront, he is, uh, you know, he played it as, like, a, a sane person who happens to not really know he's insane. Uh-huh. It's like, on his forefront, he is a, a man of, of science and learning, and he's inquisitive. So he's kind of, like, interested by her, you know, her, her journey, and wants to help her along more than he wants to menace her. But it's a balance that he does really well.
2: Nice. I
0: like that. I you like get that pick great. again, David.
1: Oh, cool. For my second one, I'm going to do another one that... Uh, I wouldn't say erases, but definitely has replaced it in popular culture as the dominant portrayal of this very popular character. It was a huge movie, also in the late 80s. Um, franchise starter. Uh, a Tim Burton movie with the biggest portrayal ever, Jack Nicholson being the Joker, and he thought, how could this happen? How could anyone re- replace this at all? Yeah. And leading up into the Dark Knight and picking Heath Ledger, everyone knows now, Yeah. <laughs> everyone <laughs> you're, thought, like, you're, you're picking. how can you outdo the person who Jared like, Leto. <laughs> ate the entire scene, like in every scene he was in? And Jack Nicholson's good in the first one, but gosh darn he is, it, he Heath Ledger is like, it's another like, Dr. Lecter type performance where he is magic in that movie Dark Knight It's
2: does an amazing job the last time I watched it I realized he does an incredible job of taking up the whole screen while he's on mm-hmm. but getting nowhere near like being bigger than the movie right it's such a good balance
1: he draws it in rather than like playing out. Yeah. Kind of. It's so good. It's like one of my favorite scenes is him just like infiltrating the banquet. And he's like terrorizing all the like well to do people and explaining his his, you know, smile. Yeah. And it's just like it's captivating. You can't hear like anything but his words when he's talking. Yeah. yeah he's he's real It's one of the greatest performances of all time. It's a pretty good performance. Yeah. I don't know if we've covered this yet on Talkie <laughs> Talk. <laughs> That's I mean why, it's, that's that's why
0: our listeners tuned in that Dark night movie pretty
2: good, pretty good uh yeah, that's a fantastic pick. Mm-hmm. back to me yes sir huh <laughs> I would take uh, another character's who been portrayed by multiple actors throughout his character. He's a prominent literary, literary character appeared in I don't know 20 or so books probably um, originally portrayed by Alec Baldwin, my favorite by far. Although I think Chris Bond did a good job. I will say that. But I'm taking Harrison Ford as Jack Ryan.
0: Harrison Ford is Jack Ryan. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. That's good.
2: Yeah. He was... Why is he your hashtag your Jack Ryan? Uh, he's the... I'm a big fan of the, the character. Literary. Lies. And uh, he plays the analyst, non-action guy, the best, I think. I think that's always
0: been the appeal of Harrison Ford is that he doesn't look like an, he's not he doesn't look like Arnold Schwarzenegger or, or Sylvester Stallone he looks like he looks like your dad you know he looks like he could be
2: you know yeah, he looks he, closer
1: to Steve Martin than Rambo yeah but he's in like <laughs> Rambo situations right
2: yeah he just has to figure out his way out of it in the, the two Jack Ryan movies anyway mm-hmm. I don't know it's just not a lot of like how fast he can sprint and jump out of buildings right it's him, he's a CIA analyst, he's caught up in some crazy shit.
1: Yeah. He does a great job making you, like, trust him. You trust that he, he knows what's going on, he's gonna figure it out.
2: Yeah. And nothing against of Baldwin's portrayal, it's fine. It's maybe my second favorite, but...
0: Yeah, it's pretty solid, and, and I, like, I like Chris Pine as well. Affleck, not so much.
2: <laughs> that movie's yeah. fun.
0: I mean, the, 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 that's a good story. Got, Some more fears. stuff yeah, I feel like with Affleck, it's more of the movie's problem than his. Like yeah. it was a, they didn't really. I think they were trying to make that too much of a. I, I don't know. It, it, it,
1: the big the thing of his work. character is he's an analyst first. Yeah, it's like once you play that, I think you're doing an effective uh, Jack Ryan movie.
2: I agree. Yeah, and that's what they're supposedly doing with the fifth Jack Ryan now coming out in a couple months. John Krasinski. Big big shoes to fill. Yeah. Glad they're doing a series, though. Yeah. I just almost always prefer a series to a movie nowadays. They Mm -hmm. can make them so well.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: Um, For my next pick, this is going to be a a character that is incredibly beloved, or at least was at the time. And still is, thanks to this uh, reprisal. um, To the point where... uh, this actor did such a good job with this character that, despite being in three pretty subpar movies, uh, people are still calling on him to uh, play this uh, character again, and that's Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan Kenobi nice. in the uh, in the prequels. Um, I think he just he just captured that that Alec Guinnessness. Hmm. Of uh, of Obi Wan, this is a character. He, he I, I don't think he made it his own. I, I don't think he's a he did anything remarkably different. I think this is an example though of, of when doing an quote unquote impression. I, I don't want to call it an impression, but when you when he, he's definitely tapping into the same things Alec Guinness brought to the character, which was just nobility to the character. Um, he's and, great. In the
2: I mean, I think the best part about one is. You know, me and Brett the Star Wars freaks differ a little bit on this but I really think it's his performance and Liam Neeson's performance I think their performances are great mm-hmm. he's, he's very good and
0: it's he's very good in like uh, at the end of Revenge of the Sith and he's he's in scenes with people who just can't hang with him
1: yeah like, alright everyone get on my back And yeah, he's, pretty and,
0: much and he carries it he really does like I don't know how Natalie Portman wound up being so bad in those movies. I don't either. Because she's awful. She's, she's quite good uh, as mm-hmm. an actress. Yeah. Um, Hayden Christensen, I understand. but um, <laughs> Sorry, 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 Hayden. Sorry, Hayden. <laughs> uh, but no, uh, Ewan McGregor really carries those movies. Uh, and he was probably the one who had the hardest job stepping in as the one character who everybody had in mind. Yeah. Like, Obi-Wan should be this way. This is, this is you know this is Hmm. Obi-Wan. I like that. And yeah, people are still wishing for uh, an Obi-Wan one-off movie and I am among them. For my next selection, this is... This is tough. I think I'm going to go with... David alluded to to something like this earlier when he said this was a performance so good it just erased the previous one (laughs) from the face of the earth. And uh, I think when this character was introduced it was just as a Silly, campy, comedy character. Uh, I think I'm safe. <laughs> but when uh, when they decided to make a TV show out of this movie four years later, I think it was four years. Sarah uh, Michelle Geller's take on Buffy, oh, nice, wound oh. up being much more defining and just perfect. Uh, the blend of comedy and action and the way she could make you just feel for her, even though she was, you know, playing the quote unquote Ditzy blonde high schooler.
2: So have both of y'all seen the Chrissy Swanson movie? Yes. It's been a long time, yeah. I'm I'm a fan of her portrayal. I didn't know I mean not that this doesn't make that a fine pick. Mm-hmm. But were were y'all? Do you yep, remember? I thought she it. was a good, like, Ditzy well to do That was okay. Yeah.
0: I mean I don't re- I I thought the movie was okay. I don't remember
1: much the movie that, as well yeah. Yeah. it was realistic that she was a high schooler in yes. that movie and then had circumstances
2: right that's neat though that's a fun pick that's fucking beloved for sure people love that stuff
1: mm-hmm.
2: back to TJ I think I could probably wait and take this with my last pick but y'all have been scared to shout out of me because I realize all the, the lead ups sound the same for this yeah. <laughs> um, this is my favorite character in one of my favorite franchises of all time he was replaced, sadly, only because the original died. But I'm taking Michael Gambon's Dumbledore.
1: I was about to take him. <laughs> I, love, I love Michael Gambon's Love that Dumbledore. pick. Love that pick.
2: He is so fucking good. And I know a lot of it is because the movies get really good when he comes in. But I can't picture not him doing some of those angry Dumbledore scenes. And those are some of the best scenes in the franchise.
1: Yeah, he does the anger a lot more and the, the like the the mischief of Jum- Dumbledore. Whereas like uh Richard Harris, you know, he was obviously getting on an age and was close to mm. passing, was just seemed like, you know, he could barely register some of the stuff. Yeah. Michael Gambon is so fun and so uh good. you know, effective in that damn it, that was gonna be my favorite. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm so glad I didn't wait. I almost took it in the first round. Yeah, <laughs> this is, it really is. I mean, yeah. It's almost scary at times when he's upset at people. And there's also that, like, father figure to a kid without a father. That he wasn't really the father figure, but you still hated when you disappointed him. Mm-hmm. I hated when mm-hmm. Harry disappointed him. I don't think I ever disappointed Dumbledore. <laughs> <laughs> I hope
1: not. That you know of. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and that's a... Those are really
0: tough circumstances because he's not taken over the character for a, re- a reboot series or for a tv or a movie version of something that was not tv or movie prior he's taken over the third movie right yeah mm-hmm. third or fourth movie and it's uh like you said because someone died he was never supposed to be dumbledore and people not only had dumbledore in their minds they had dumbledore last year yeah in a you know in a movie,
1: it's not like you can reimagine him. That you have the benefit of a reboot. It's like you are continuous with all the actors he was acting with. Like, it's all he made on it, rails already. He manages
0: to make that role his own. Yeah, despite being a directly continued version of the character. Like, it's it is the same character. It has to be. Must be.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, nice fit. Cool.
1: Well, I have a character that replaces. <laughs> a character that was pretty successful. I'm just making it as generic as possible. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, this was an iconic role for one of the most iconic actors in all of Hollywood. One, you know, at the the time, and then 50 years later, you got to, you have all of history, kind of, you're up against in this reimagining, but it's pretty faithful. At the time, it was like a, it was a movie that everybody liked. It was pretty good. Got some recognition, but I think it's getting even better in people's uh, you know opinion as times going on. So is that generic enough? No, I think it's pretty good. Um, I'm going uh, Jeff Bridges' Rooster Cogburn.
0: Nice. Yeah.
1: Yeah. A little uh, probably outside of um, what I was originally thinking for this, but I love Jeff Bridges making it his own and doing kind of his Jeff Bridges thing with it. But uh, I think that's, that movie is just so much better than it ever needed to be. And it's a really lot of good. it was because of the performances. And and Jeff Bridges is the center of that movie. You know, letting yeah. everyone... The, the two of them together. Yeah. Just,
2: the chemistry was so good between Jeff and Haley.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. if I I mean, I just don't know the original actress who played that uh, character, Haley Steinfeld. Did, right. Or I'd do like a... Try to cheat and do a twin pick. Of, like, this <laughs> relationship. But, uh, yeah, that movie's a lot of fun. It's a movie I keep wanting to go back to and watch and I think it's I think uh, like I said I think it's getting reappraised as the year's going on as uh, a lot better than than it really needed to be I thought it was really good yeah I like and like I said Iconic role got John Wayne his Oscar and John Wayne was a towering figure for the, like the first hundred years of Hollywood
2: yeah
0: those are some mighty big boots to step into
1: yeah mighty big eye patch to strap on <laughs> yeah
0: Yeah, as far as, like, when it comes to the area of, like, how daunting is it to step into these roles, Mm -hmm. then that one's pretty much maxed out. I mean, it's John Wayne's best role. It's his Mm -hmm. best, you know, it's his Oscar winner. And that's... And Jeff Bridges nearly won an Oscar as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He was nominated, but he also, he has so much fun in that role. The movie is like, fun with him.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it feels like it was, like... While John Wayne's might be more impressive, it just feels like it was naturally a role for Jeff Bridges to take. You know what I mean? And that—that's why it might seem more impressive for John Wayne. But it just—it seemed like Jeff Bridges really didn't have to work for it. He was just so good.
1: Sure. And next, then my next pick. My next David. pick. My last one. I'm getting towards the edge of my uh, my research here. Uh, another one. A big separation. The original one was in the '60s. This more recent one came out in the '2000s. The um, original one was kind of like fun affair, but the, I think it, the one that was recent that I'm going to talk about kind of sets the stage for a really fun trilogy of movies that are fun to go back to. I'm going uh, George Clooney as Danny Ocean.
2: Oh, nice. That's great. <laughs> yeah. I and have it on my list. That's it's, fantastic.
1: It's also like it's a, um, it's a replacement where there's not a lot of work being shown for the character, it's like it's a lot of raw charisma. And obvious, like fun on the set that kind of comes through with uh, the Danny Ocean role at the I'll, center of a whole bunch of like fun casting choices that they make.
0: Yeah. I, I like that. I like that pick. He was on my list, and uh, but I will admit, I actually went to the first Ocean's Eleven page to see if there was a Rusty Ryan in mm. the first Ocean's Eleven because I really wanted that to be. I, I, yeah, really, I love Brad Pitt. I as love Brad the Pitt.
1: Constantly hungry. Yeah. Accomplice. Eating orange sauces it seems, in every scene. Eating a shrimp cocktail randomly. (laughs) But uh, the more time it passes, the more, like, it's... That that whole franchise is really fun. I know it dips in the second one or the third one, depending on your uh, reappraisal or your controversial takes.
2: They're fun, but, I mean, they're just not as good as that first one.
1: Yeah, first one is just so much fun. And uh, I'm talking about the movie a lot, but I think a lot of it, George Clooney's a lot of fun. He's a
2: catalyst for sure. Yep. I don't know what to do here. This is fun. I'm going to take this, even though I'm I'm sure this is probably like sacrilege to a lot of people. I'm just not not a Trekkie, so it doesn't matter to me. (laughs) But I absolutely love how fun Chris Prine's... Chris Prine. John Prine, John Prine's <laughs> portrayal of Captain Kirk, <laughs>
1: <laughs> folksier than I remember.
2: Uh, I love Chris Pine and what he does with that character, though, in the Star Trek review.
1: He would have been my next pick. He, I I, I champion that, and he ways.
2: was going to be my next. Nice. Pick. Yeah, so not sacrilege in this room. Yeah, it's so fun that first scene in the first Star Trek and Star Trek, the mm-hmm. first one they made when the I don't know this isn't Chris Chris Pine, <laughs> but uh, the way they set up that character to just be like a rogue, fun character is so cool.
1: He's also, like, a recognizable human being, compared to William Shatner's cyborg android portrayal. Not to shit on Star Trek fans, but it is a very unique, idiosyncratic like, walk esque performance Shatner does. right. Yeah, I just... um, Those
2: movies are fun, because Chris Pine is in them. I don't know why I keep wanting to call him Chris Pine. Yeah, I I had
0: him on my list, obviously, and I also... very strongly considered Zachary uh, Zachary Quinto. He's good because uh, he he does a really good job. And a with Kirk, you can at least I think Kirk's easier to go your own way on, like because because uh, Shatner was just so unique, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's Shatner that's unique. Whereas Leonard Nimoy as Spock. It's Spock that's unique, yeah. and it's really hard to. Uh, so you kind of have to stay in a certain lane with with Spock. Mm-hmm. And he does a good job with it, but yeah, those are. Uh, that's a good pick, though. I think Chris Pine is the one who's able to make it his
2: own more, which is right. why he was going to be my next pick. It's hard to make the Spock character your own because right. it's he literally is supposed to be emotionless, right? Mm-hmm. So, it's um, tough. There's just not a lot of ways to play without emotion. <laughs> All right. Well, with the the final pick of this
0: uh, of this draft, I'm uh, I'm gonna go with somebody. I, I, de- I didn't dislike either previous portrayal of this character at all. I rather enjoyed uh, the movies, and for the most part, um, but I think this one just this uh, third casting just really nails it, and that's Tom Holland as Spider Man. It is. I, it is the best Spider Man. I think. I really, yeah. you know. I think I I was getting some Spider-Man fatigue by the time I think they were announced that Tom Holland was going to be the new Spider-Man because you know the the Tobey Maguire movies had kind of I guess ended with a whimper. The yes. third one is is weak, and then same with the the, the Garfield movies. I mean, They're both
2: pretty rough, but the second one is particularly shitty. They yeah. started
1: with a
0: whimper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and. I actually thought Andrew Garfield was okay as as Andrew Garfield was I think a pretty good Spider-Man, not a great Peter Parker because he hmm. was just how could a uh, how could someone that good looking and charismatic be? And Tom Holland is a great balance of both. Yes, he's yes. the one who who get who hits on both. And
1: um, weirdly, Tobey Maguire kind of hits on neither, but the movie <laughs> around him is is good enough. The first two I think are great mm-hmm. superhero movies. Yeah, not really because of him as much. Right. Right, Kind of the villains steal the show for me for the first two. And Sam Raimi just makes a fun-ass movie.
0: Yeah. But There's sure. just something about Tom Holland's like, innocence on screen, it seems. like He just doesn't seem... I don't know. There's absolutely no cynicism to, to him. And yeah. uh, he's been in three movies now, and he is uh, obviously the Spider-Man. He's the star of that one. But in the other
1: two movies he's in, he's one of the best parts of both of those movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's very. He was teased in Civil War, but everyone was like, he's one of the best parts, and it's true.
2: Yep. I think he's great in Infinity War.
1: Mm
0: hmm. He's just so believable as a. As a. As the as, kid. As the kid who's. And, and that's the thing, is that Spider Man has never seemed more like a teenager, like a kid.
1: Yeah, and as if he you has, Think about it, like this teenager who's, like, hanging out with all these other superheroes, he's going to, like, geek out about it because he's, like, a, a nerd. He's mm-hmm. gonna go like, "Wow, it's so cool!" And I don't think you see any of that in any other portrayal. There's like a you know a, a requisite montage thing with Toby Maguire where he's like, "Woo!" where he can like do flips and stuff. Yeah. But that's about it. And then he's like sullen Toby afterwards, right. right?
0: And then you know Holland has also proved that he can he can handle the more dramatic scenes too, like the, his final scene and his the that that we have seen to this point. Um it's so heartbreaking and he is I think he is the most affecting uh, of all the of all those scenes in yeah. Infinity War and I think it's because of of, of him of yeah. Tom Holland and so
2: it's really good I'm, I've become really good chemistry in that movie with Robert Downey Jr. too mm-hmm. and all the I guess he's every Tom Holland movie, Spider-Man movie has also had Robert Downey Jr. Huh? Mm-hmm. they're really good together
0: that's right yeah yeah
2: so, that's our draft. you want to hear of the teams? Yeah. Yeah. All right. The teams. Uh, <laughs> yeah. At point
1: guard. The takeovers. Spider-Man <laughs> wins immediately
2: in the basketball <laughs> game.
1: We could call this the replacements. <laughs>
0: uh, all right. I wound up with uh, Katie Sackhoff as Starbuck. Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi. Sarah Michelle Gellar as Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And Tom Holland as Spider-Man. T.J. wound up with Benedict Cumberbatch as... Uh, <laughs> um, you like dodge and it? Evie, but I'm easy. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch as Sherlock Holmes. Harrison Ford as Jack Ryan. Michael Gambon as... Alvis Severus Brian... <laughs> Brian! <laughs> Jingleshanks uh, <laughs> Dumbledore. Um, and Chris Pine, Pine Pine, as... James...
1: Tiberius. Tiberius.
0: Okay, okay. Okay. Yeah. And David wound up with Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter. Dr. Lecter. Heath Ledger as uh, Joker. Dr. Joker. She's picking, like, fucking violently insane people. <laughs> Jeff Bridges as Rooster Cogburn. And George Clooney as Danny Ocean.
1: I think I would watch that movie where they pull a heist. <laughs> Before them? Yeah. It would go off the rails immediately. <laughs> yeah.
2: Like, well, Hannibal Lecter ate daddy ocean. Yeah, so. <laughs> See, I'm
0: having some seafood for dinner.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we have a nice Pinot Grigio, and the Joker just blew everybody up.
0: <laughs> and meanwhile, Jeff Bridges is
2: watching it all, going, raw, raw, raw. You know, doing his Jeff Bridges' voice. <laughs> this is daddy Ocean being like, Joker, why did you burn all the money? Just stole it all. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's still millions of dollars. The Joker burns it. It's fun. That was a good draft. That was fun. I like the drafts.
1: Yeah, drafts are fun. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, I think we're. I think that's it. Um, David is going to be picking some homework for us to watch.
1: Ooh. So this is going to be a, uh, a movie. I kind of had to look up what it was, but I, it got recommended that it's an underrated movie from the seventies. It's co-written by uh, Anthony Perkins, who was uh, in Psycho as uh, Norman Bates. The, the titular Psycho. The titular Psycho. <laughs> I don't really remember him writing anything. That's, it's pretty entertaining. He's always so
2: good at writing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I remember his backstory when he learned to write when he was a kid. <laughs>
0: I'm not going to work that in, but okay.
1: But it's a movie from 1973 or so. It's on Filmstruck. It's called The Last of Sheila. Looks pretty fun. It's got James Coburn, Ian McShane, Diane Cannon, uh, George Welch. Mason. Raquel Welch. Raquel Welch, yep. It's a uh, multi-millionaire. Uh, has a bunch of friends over to a yacht for a scavenger hunt. It Turns out his wife had just been disappeared. They'd just seen The Last of Sheila. The movie's The Last of Sheila. And uh, it's a game that is all too real with dire consequences.
2: Psychological horror from the early 70s, though. Yeah. It looks lo- fun.
1: Looks fun. It looks campy a little bit, but uh, I'm kind of going blind into it. I've been meaning to check it out, so we're all going to do it. Yeah. Fun. And the thought right now is to do a blind item talk of fame with it.
2: I like the <laughs> blind talk of fame. If we all
1: see it and it's like a, it's a piece of dog shit, maybe it'll still be fun to do, but maybe we'll... Change the topic, but right now the thought is talk of fame for the last of Sheila. On uh, FilmStruck. FilmStruck. I'm enjoying FilmStruck, man. I need to watch more FilmStruck, so it'll be a good a good thing for me to do. Yeah,
2: I like FilmStruck a lot. <clears throat>
1: but uh, unless we have any other points of business, I think that does it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. This has been uh, Talky Talk. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can uh, get online and see our stuff at. TheMediaBias.com dot uh, Check out our Facebook pages and groups. Uh, media Bias is a Facebook page, and then we have three groups for you to uh, participate in. There's Games Bias, TV Bias, and Movies Bias. Follow us on Twitter at the Media Bias. Follow us. Uh, follow us on Gmail. You can interact with us. You can contact us on Gmail at the media bias at gmail.com dot uh, com. Please. Subscribe to our podcast. Please rate our podcast. Give us a rating on uh, iTunes or whatever service you're using, and uh, we, we definitely appreciate all of that. Um, we want to thank the Willow Walkers for providing our intro music. We want to thank Burifa.
1: Burifa
0: for this outro you're listening to right now, and uh, that will do it. Until next time. Thanks for listening.
2: Who's not? Kicking rocks Buzzaw! down old dusty roads.
1: Shazam.
2: Small town, slow pokes, long time ago. Kicking out records of all the
1: things that I know. All.